1: My next guest is an absolute
2: savage. His name is Andrew Bailey. He is the attorney general of Missouri. He's only been there for a little over a year, and he's already made waves. He's a thorn in the side of the Biden administration. The left hates him. He started by ousting a soros back prosecutor, and since then, he's tackled every big issue. Transgender issues, abortion, Second Amendment, the border. I mean, the list goes on. Diversity, equity, inclusion. Every issue you care about, every issue we talk about on this podcast, he has taken up the mantle to defend the rights of Missourians and Americans and to go after the left. So I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. I was going through everything this guy has done so far. I can't believe it's only been a little over a year. So stay tuned for this conversation with the Attorney General of Missouri, Andrew Bailey. Well, Attorney General, it's great to have you on the podcast for the first time. You know, I I was going through this, and you've only been in office for like a a little over a year.
3: Yeah, that's right, Lisa. I mean, look, it's a privilege to get to serve the people of the state of Missouri as the 44th Attorney General in our state's history. But we hit the ground running back on (laughs) January 3rd, 2023, when I first swore into office. And we haven't looked back, and I'm here to tell you, we haven't hit our ceiling yet.
2: No, I I know. I was going through all the stuff that you've done, and I'm like, I don't even know if we're gonna have time (laughs) from from investigating Planned Parenthood stuff on the border, big tech, uh, investigating media matters, Second Amendment stuff. I mean, getting rid of a Soros project like the list is long. How much does the left hate you?
3: Oh, I'm despised by the left, and that's okay. You know, I tell the people of the state of Missouri to judge me by my enemies. I mean, the fact that the ACLU and Planned Parenthood have Sued me more times than I can count on my my, my fingers. Uh, means that we're doing the right things for the right reasons. I mean, at the end of the day, we are fighting in a war uh, to protect our freedom, our safety, and our prosperity. It used to be that Republicans and Democrats had differences over policy nuance, but the rule of law mattered. And these days, the left has uh, you know abandoned this approach of uh, you know elevating the rules of the game above the players and the outcomes in favor of Weaponizing the government to tear down uh, cultural and legal institutions in the United States of America to achieve radical, progressive evolution. And I think it's contrary to the will of the people of the state of Missouri. It's certainly contrary to our interest in freedom, safety and prosperity. And, and, and it's a it's a fight. It's, it's a war. It's no longer a debate over nuance of policy.
2: Do you think, in part, that's happened just because the government has gotten so large, and inevitably we, the people, lose our rights in that process?
3: Absolutely, I think that it's a zero sum game: more government, less freedom. I mean, I'm a, I, am I believe that the best thing the government can do so many times is get the heck out of the way. Uh, but at the same time. There is a proper role for government, and it—you know—it seems to me that under the Biden administration, and it really this became pronounced during COVID, and it it grew exponentially once Biden took office. That the government was everywhere where unwanted and nowhere where needed. In other words, during COVID, they were going to tell you you had to wear a mask and stand this far apart, and you couldn't do this and you couldn't do that. But they wouldn't secure the southern border once Biden took office. I mean, it's, so it's, it's instances like that. Or, you know, here in Missouri, you had a Soros-backed prosecutor who had a 96 percent non-prosecution rate. So she'll be the first one to demand that you put on a mask and to go after political opponents. But she won't prosecute the criminals that are actually breaking things and hurting people. And so it undermines the rule of law. It undermines the credibility of our, our legal system. And that's why it's important to have state attorneys general who are willing to fight back and have the not only the audacity to fight back, but the experience and the the battle scars to to take with them into that fight.
2: Yeah, you know, it is kind of funny. come to think about it, you know, Joe Biden trying to force a vaccine on Americans that is untested, but somehow he doesn't have the authority to close the southern border and stop the invasion that uh, we're seeing.
3: Yeah, that's right. I mean, look, we had to file suit against the Biden administration because he used the Department of Energy to try to regulate which dishwashers and washing machines you have in your house. I mean, the federal government has no authority to select appliances for your home. And as a, you know, a parent who has four children, golly, I need my appliances running nonstop just to keep up with the, the daily grind and keep people fed and clothed. But I'll tell you, uh, you know, that lawsuit, people think it's trivial or, or you know, it might be might mock the insignificance of it. But if you give an inch there, where, what is the principled response when your freedom's on the line? And so keeping the the federal government in its limited, proper role is essential to maximizing our freedom and maintaining our constitutional structure.
2: You've been willing to engage on a a lot of important cultural issues. You know, at one point, an emergency rule that uh, would require adults and children to undergo therapy and other requirements before they can move forward with, you know, transgender surgery, puberty blockers, things like that, investigation of Planned Parenthood. Um, I believe there was a lawsuit into a school or, over a bathroom as well. I think not doing an open hearing on that, correct, in the in the school. So why are these fights I- important to you and, and kind of go through some of the things you're most proud of in that arena?
3: Yeah, Lisa, look, I want Missouri to be the safest state in the nation for children and we've been fighting for that since day one when i took office you know uh, in february uh, january february of 2023 a whistleblower came forward from a pediatric transgender clinic in the st louis region that made allegations and a sworn sworn testimony i mean that she was willing to put her life on the line put her name on the line subject herself to scrutiny and penalty of perjury and the allegations she made were not only credible but amounted to nothing short of child abuse so we launched an investigation it was the first of its kind in this nation it was a multi-agency investigation to hold wrongdoers accountable and as we looked into the matter we we demanded that the clinic institute itself impose a moratorium on these procedures until we could the state could determine what safeguards were in place to protect kids the clinic refused and opined that they were the only clinic in the state of Missouri offering these kinds of procedures. Well, subsequent investigation revealed that wasn't true. There's a shadowy and clandestine network of these clinics operating across the state. And so we, it was necessary for the attorney general's office to use the full authority of the state to uh, propose an emergency rule to stand in the gap as a safety measure uh, to protect kids and give our general assembly a time to enact a statute that was ultimately signed into law that Senate Bill 49. And I'm proud to say that Missouri is the first state in the nation to successfully defend that kind of statute that ends this pediatric you know, child gender mutilation. We're the first state in the nation to successfully defend that kind of statute at the trial court level. Uh, the work we've done to root out and, and shut down the pediatric transgender mutilation industry in the state of Missouri uh, will we'll have saved countless lives. We'll have Uh, preserve the bodily integrity of countless children um, and and will have protected parental rights. You know, one of the allegations that was made by the whistleblower was that some of these parents were cajoled into consenting to these procedures and weren't provided the opportunity to, to actually provide legitimate legal consent because they were deprived of information. And that the patients at these clinics, the children, were deprived of access to mental health services like psychology and psychiatry. And so just having the fortitude and the the moral clarity to call this what it is and to take on that industry uh, and to have delivered wins for the people of the state and certainly for the safety of children of the state, I think is a a major accomplishment.
2: Now, I've interviewed people like Chloe Cole on this show uh, who underwent a double mastectomy at at 15 years old. Um, I mean, you you just you aren't fully aware of anything in life at 15 years old, uh, particularly making life altering decisions and Destroying your body should also taking puberty blockers at one point as well, um, or you know, we're not doing right by these kids.
3: That's absolutely right. I mean, look, there are zero FDA approvals showing that uh, puberty blockers or cross se- sex hormones are safe or effective in the treatment of gender dysphoria. Gender dysphoria, of course, is the uh, mental health condition that so many of these children present when they come into these clinics. They're confused about their gender. So rather than talking to the kids or providing psychology or psychiatry, so many of the clinics race towards. Powerful, life-changing drugs, or referring children—you know—under 17 years of age for irreversible surgeries. And as you point out, these kids will never enjoy the full spectrum of adulthood because the adults in the room, that were supposed to be responsible for their health and safety, failed. And so that's why it's important that uh, legislation like Senate Bill 49 be enacted and defended in court. That's why it's important that state attorneys general uh, use their investigative authority and rulemaking authority to stand in the gap to, to provide some kind of safeguards to protect the children.
2: You're also uh, involved in a Second Amendment case as well. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that, the Second Amendment Preservation Act? And, you know, what is it? Why is it important? And and what could this mean for, for the country moving forward regarding the Second Amendment and states' rights?
3: Absolutely. You know, I believe that the Second Amendment is one that makes all the other amendments possible. The Constitution exists to protect us from the government and the government exists to protect our rights. And we celebrate the right to keep and bear arms. Here in the state of Missouri, if you look at Article 1, Section 23 of the Missouri Constitution, it is a robust protection of the right to keep and bear arms. And it says that state officials are obligated to... uh, defend against infringement of uh, infringements upon those rights. And it's a sacred and honorable duty that, that we undertake uh, happily here at the attorney general's office. But uh, our General Assembly enacted a statute, the Second Amendment Preservation Act, designed to prevent enforcement of unconstitutional uh, Second Amendment infringements in, in statute or rule, and to uh, really be a codification of the Tenth Amendment anti-commandeering doctrine. And as you'll recall, the 10th Amendment stands for the proposition that authority not explicitly given to the federal government or deprived to the states is enjoyed by the states and the people of the states. And so what SAPPA actually says is that state officials can't be uh, cajoled by the federal government into enforcing unconstitutional federal mandates. But it doesn't it only limits state officials. It doesn't limit federal officials. And so uh, we've defended this statute in court. The Department of Ju- Biden's Department of Justice instantly sued uh, the state of Missouri and hauled us into court and attacked our uh, state sovereignty and our Second Amendment rights, uh, they believe that the Supremacy Clause makes the federal government supreme to the state of Missouri. and That's not what the Supremacy Clause says. The Supremacy Clause says that when there's a conflict between a constitutionally valid federal statute and a state statute, that the federal statute prevails. But that doesn't mean that the federal government has the right to commandeer the apparatus of state government to carry out unconstitutional objectives. So uh, one of the issues that we've uh, defended, and and we were at the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals defending uh, this matter uh, just last week, last Friday, and we're confident in our ultimate success on the merits. But one of the issues here is that when the Department of Justice sues the state, you have to be able to show, the plaintiff has to be able to show uh, an injury in fact, a concrete injury in fact from a result of an unconstitutional act. And the problem here is because SAPA does not limit federal officials and no federal officials can demonstrate harm. The federal court actually lacks subject matter jurisdiction over this case. And we think that ultimately the courts will dismiss this case and SAPA will stand.
2: Let's take a quick commercial break. More with Attorney General Andrew Bailey.
1: I'm Katya Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
0: at purdueglobal.edu.
2: You've been involved uh, with Texas in securing the border and, and kind of you know, pushing back against this administration. Is that the path forward for our country is for states to start taking back uh, state rights and, you know, kind of peeling back that power from the federal government?
3: Well, Lisa, I think it has to be. I mean, look at what federal uh, authorities have done at the border. And really, it's the Biden administration. President Trump used the immigration laws on the books to reduce border illegal border crossings by more than 90 percent. He instituted policies like remain in Mexico and detention of illegal criminal aliens. uh, And that deterred illegal border crossings. But what Biden has done since day one is hang an open sign at our border, undermine our our rule of law and uh, deny Americans of our national sovereignty. Some of the ways he's done that include termination of the remain in Mexico policy, uh, institution of a, a catch and release policy an executive order that said he wasn't going to build any more border walls, despite the fact that in 2006, while serving in the United States Senate, Senator Biden uh, voted for the Secure Fence Act. But now all of a sudden he thinks they don't work because President Trump likes them. Um, and the problem he's got is that. He's perverted the law to allow people into this country that have no uh, legal right to be here. It undermines the rule of law, discredits our uh, legal institutions. And again, it's creating a a crisis of enormous magnitude, more than 1,500 deaths from fentanyl exposure in Missouri in one year alone, 43 innocent children who have died from accidental fentanyl exposure. We've had more than 1,100 cases reported uh, of human trafficking, and that's the, the the cases that are reported. How many go undetected? And so, you know, the, every state's a border state. Missourians are suffering and are less safe because of President Biden's refusal to do his job at, at the southern border. And so it's going to be up to states to hold him accountable.
2: And you testified um, before Congress uh, regarding Secretary is correct?
3: Yeah, that's right. I was uh, honored to be allowed to be called before Congress to testify uh, in the impeachment proceedings against Secretary Mayorkas. And look, the the border wall lawsuit that Missouri and Texas have pinned against the Biden administration right now, I think it's going to end up being a really significant piece of litigation. Mark my words. In fiscal year 2020, Congress appropriated money to erect new border barrier systems, period. Well, like I said, on day one, President Biden signed an executive order saying he wasn't going to do that. And then he hired Secretary Mayorkas to submit an endless series of environmental studies to vex, harass, and delay the command from Congress in the appropriations bill to build new border barrier systems. Well, if Mayorkas didn't want to follow out the commandments of Congress that are in the appropriations statute, he shouldn't have taken the job and taken an oath to uphold the laws of of this country and the Constitution of the United States of America. And so uh, I think that at the end of the day, Congress has the power of the purse But it ceases to mean anything if federal officials can just ignore congressional commandments that are codified in statute. And so uh, certainly our lawsuit against the Biden administration, we think will be successful in that. We've uh, been uh, reinstated by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals and are back at the district court level. Uh, We may be the first state in the nation to successfully sue Biden on one of these border issues. But in the meantime, Congress has a role to play, too, and that's holding federal officials who refuse to follow the law accountable.
2: And you've also been involved uh, with the administration with the student loans. Um, I mean, it's not really forgiveness because we're we're all on the hook. <laughs> it can't yeah, be forgiven. Yeah. It's like, uh, you know. Tell us about your involvement in that, and and what should people be looking out for.
3: Yeah, so you know, President Biden initially tried to quote unquote cancel student debt, and any of your uh, working families out there, or business owners out there that are listening, are going to re- understand like. There is no such thing as a cancellation of debt. Someone is paying it. You know, I think that the estimates were somewhere around uh, $400 billion to taxpayers in the state of, uh, in the United States of America, $44 million to working families, an additional uh, tax burden here in the state of Missouri, decreased revenue to the, the, the state of Missouri. We're not going to let President Biden saddle working Missouri families with Ivy League debt. And I paid for my college in blood, sweat and tears. I went to University of Missouri on an Army ROTC scholarship. Uh, served in the war on terror, deployed to Iraq twice, used the post nine eleven GI bill for law school. So look, I did it honest. There, there's no such thing as a free ride. You got to earn it. It's not given. And so uh, President Biden trying to saddle working Missouri families with Ivy League debt is unacceptable. The court has already deemed it unconstitutional once before, and certainly uh, we are joining with other states and looking for opportunities to fight back against uh, another unlawful, unconstitutional redistribution of wealth.
2: You know, one thing that worries me, well, a lot of things worry me these days, (laughs) but one of them that I will bring up uh, to you is this article in The Atlantic, and the headline reads, How Democrats Could Disqualify Trump. If the Supreme Court doesn't, um, and it goes out to lay out how uh, senior House Democrats would not commit to certifying a Trump win, yada, yada, yada. But what worries me is I do feel like the left is at a point where, like, let's say Trump wins, that they would just outright deny him that uh, victory. So, I mean, I guess how close are are we to where, like, there is absolutely no rule of law?
3: Well, I think we're on the precipice. I mean, we're certainly slouching towards an authoritarian third world dictatorship. I mean, President Biden has the, and his army of federal bureaucrats have the attitude that they get to do whatever they want until someone tells them to stop. I mean, thank goodness uh, here in the state of Missouri, we've used the long arm of the law to to sue the Biden administration 30 times to take them to court, to get a court order demanding, you know, preventing them from unconstitutional acts, demanding that they stop. But, you know, to your point, More government, less freedom. Right. And at the end of the day, there is no sanction in the United States Constitution for a fourth branch of government. And yet look at the alphabet soup of federal bureaucratic agencies. And when President Biden deploys that army of bureaucrats, uh, like minded individuals that are like minded with him, they're not there to maximize your liberty and the choices you get to make. They're there to make decisions for you and take away your freedom. And so the apparatus is certainly there and the, the the left seems in the radical progressive left seems intent on tearing down uh, the, the structure of our government. Again, that structure was carefully designed by our founders to maximize our freedom and liberty and to restrain an overactive uh, central authority uh, and prevent us from slouching towards authoritarianism and the left is is clearly jettisoning that approach in favor of uh, authoritarian, uh, dictatorship. No, you
2: know, I, I do think, you know, at least if you look at what the left uh, has tried to to do to Donald Trump with these four criminal indictments, uh, well, and then off, also what they're trying to do to him civilly and, you know, bankrupt him. Uh, but I, I do think Americans are kind of waking up to, they've overshot a, a little bit, you know, particularly when you have the special counsel's report on Biden showing that he's mishandled classified information since the freaking 1970s, you know, and then you've got uh, Fannie Willis inappropriately engaging with, uh, you know, a, a man that she hired who didn't have a background in Rico or, or anything. So, you know, he's involved with uh, with that case in Fulton County. I do think people are kind of like, OK, you know, because if you're going to go after someone like that, you really have to have the moral high ground and they don't. No. Um, and so I, I think Americans are, are kind of realizing that. All right, you know this this is a witch hunt.
3: No, that's right. And again, it undermines the cred- credibility of their position. It under- undermines the credibility of our uh, system of government, certainly of our judicial processes. When those processes can be weaponized against political opponents, and when I refer to you know third world banana republics, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, and the, the, America was not the United States of America was never supposed to be that way. And if we just followed the rule of law, we wouldn't have these problems. But again, the left has jettisoned that approach. Uh, they hate, they're they blinded by their hatred for President Trump and are willing to destroy the United States of America to attack him uh, politically and legally. I think there are three really main strategic objectives in the fight for the soul of America today. And you've covered two of them already. You know, the, the border, no border, no country. If we don't secure our southern border and, and maintain our national sovereignty, we don't have a country anymore. Uh, number two, it's the weaponization of government. Again, are we going to allow the the apparatus of our legal system to be hijacked by radical progressives who are willing to use it to take out political opponents while ignoring the actual lawbreakers elsewhere? And then finally, number three, I think one of the other main strategic objectives in the fight for the soul of America is the fright, fight for free speech. I mean, this used to be a nonpartisan, non-controversial issue that uh, the the First Amendment protected a free, fair and open marketplace for ideas. And yet now uh, the left screams for government censorship. And one wonders if the legacy media would squeal so loudly if they were the ones censored.
2: Quick break. We've got so much more to get into.
1: I'm Katya Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
0: at PurdueGlobal.
2: I've heard different arguments on this, but you know Donald Trump saying that you know, look, uh, Presidential Records Act, he had the authority to declassify and, and classify. Um, you know, where where are you under that?
3: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, they're they're prosecuting him for uh, a technical procedural flaw when certainly there is evidence to suggest that President Trump engaged in the proper procedure and the bureaucracy stymied his, his attempts to accomplish his objective, which ultimately is his decision as the president to make. And so Joe Biden, you know, for 40 years or more has classified documents sitting in a cardboard box in in his in his uh, closet. And yet President Trump, who had the authority to declassify these documents, has them locked in a sealed uh, safe and is negotiating with the National Archives to do it the right way. And all of a sudden, stormtroopers are raiding Mar-a-Lago. I mean, again, this this points to the hypocrisy. And look, I I agree with Senator Hawley on this. Merrick Garland has two options here. He either charges President uh, President Biden for knowingly retaining classified documents in violation of federal law, or he needs to invoke the constitutional amendment that gives him and the rest of the cabinet the authority to declare that the president is not no longer fit to hold office. Either he has the mental state to commit the crime or he doesn't have the mental capacity to be president. But Merrick Garland can't have it both ways on that issue. And right now, that's the, the needle he's trying to thread.
2: Uh, real quick, before we go, I can't believe I almost forgot to ask you about this. Uh, the Supreme Court is going to be hearing Missouri versus Biden on, on March 18th. Uh, what should people know about that? What should we be looking out for? Um, if If you can just kind of break that down with us or for us before we go.
3: Yeah, Lisa. And again, this is the most important free speech case in this nation's history. We've uncovered through this lawsuit a relationship of both coercion and collusion between the Biden administration across a a spectrum of bureaucratic agencies with big tech social media platforms to silence American voices in violation of our First Amendment right to free speech. Uh, The remedy for disfavored speech in this country has always been counter speech, not government censorship. The president has, again, he has rejected that approach. The president, his staff, his army of bureaucrats have now developed a vast censorship enterprise. And it's going to be up to us in this lawsuit to root out that censorship enterprise, to restore the proper constitutional order to the free, fair and open marketplace of ideas. It is a sign of cowardice and weakness that the president and his left wing bureaucrats can't win an argument on the merits. So they feel the need to silence any voice in opposition. We have the evidence to prove it. We've won in court three times. Now we're going to the Super Bowl. On March 18th, we'll be arguing that case at the United States uh, Supreme Court, the highest court in the land, and we're going to bring home a win. I can't believe
2: you've only been there for a little over a year. We just went through so much stuff, and I I feel like I'm going to look back and uh, have missed some things to have discussed.
3: Um, I hope we can talk again soon. We're going to have more to update you with. Well,
2: obviously, it'll it'll be two months from now and there'll be, you know, 50 things we have to cover. Uh, Where where can people learn more about you, you know, help you out? I know you've got a a campaign, a race right now. Uh, Where can people learn more about you and and help out?
3: Yeah, check us out at ago.mo.gov. That's the official website where you can see all the work we're doing to fight back against the enemies of freedom, safety and prosperity. And uh, certainly for people in the state of Missouri, if you feel like uh, you've been aggrieved by uh, fraudulent business practice, we've got a consumer protection division standing by to assist you. And the the, the complaint forms are available there on the website. We want to serve the people of the state of Missouri and fight for freedom across the nation.
2: Attorney General Andrew Bailey, appreciate you taking the time to join the show. Uh, Loved having you. Would love to have you back.
3: Hey, thanks, Lisa. Great talking to you. Hope we can talk again soon.
2: That was Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey. Appreciate him uh, taking so much time to join the show. Obviously, he's already done a lot. He's barely been there. So we'll keep a lookout for him. Thank you at home for listening every Monday and Thursday, but you can listen throughout the week. I want to thank John Cassio, my producer, for putting the show together. Until next time.